Jordan is on best. Harper's on middle. Welcome to another edition of the Indie Cornrows Podcast. I am your host, Mark Schindler. As always, before we get started, if you have not already, please be sure to rate and review us over on Apple Podcasts. I always want to hear your feedback. Let just, you know, just let me know what you think of the show so far. Um, we're just about to 50, uh, 50 reviews over there, which helps us out a ton, and I appreciate that. It's a cool milestone, um, especially considering where we're at. You know, we've we made a lot of progress this past year, so it's uh, it's really cool, and I appreciate you all. Um, sticking with us and, and listening and uh, helping us get better. And, and of course, you know, always send me any questions, comments, anything. I'm always interested in talking about basketball. I want to hear from you guys. I'm coming at this solo today. Tom had to sit this one out. He had to take his son to a basketball game, so he was not going to be able to watch the game in time. Uh, definitely always, you know, I'm going to miss talking basketball with him whenever he's not on. But I, uh, I have a lot of takeaways from the game tonight. Uh, the Knicks beat the Pacers 106-102 at the Fieldhouse. Um I think the first thing that I want to say is don't freak out. Losses happen. Pacers fall to four and two. It's it's still a positive start to the season. There's going to be growing pains. Uh, I don't think four and one was a mirage. Those were good wins. Um, obviously, the loss against the Celtics was tough, but I think you look at it. Um, you, you just got to go with the flow, uh, kind of take things in stride, and realize that there are going to be bumps along the road with with a new coach um, trying to implement new things, but. I do have a, a lot of takeaways from this game and also some overarching questions um, as we kind of dive into it. Uh, to, to begin with, I just want to talk about the Knicks really quick. Uh, the Knicks are a good basketball team this year. Uh, that puts them at 3-3 three and three on the season after winning this. Uh, they beat the crap out of Milwaukee uh, a couple games ago, which is still crazy to say. But Tom Thibodeau has done a really nice job in, in forming them into a, a much better defensive team, and that showed tonight. Um, you know, the... First of all, I mean, Julius Randle has uh, kind of changed how I view him as a player. Uh, part of that might be how Tibbs is using him. I, I have to dive more into the Knicks. I've only seen probably three of their games this year. Uh, but Julius Randle has been incredible. You know, he's always been a good basketball player, but um, a lot of it's just been it, the role he's been asked to do has been a little bit, you know, not a little bit, but definitely outside of his ability um, or what he should be doing as a player. But he, he continues to give the Pacers problems whenever they play him. Uh, was instrumental on the glass. I think he had 11 rebounds, continues to pass the ball extremely well. Um, he didn't shoot incredibly well from the field. He hit one or two threes, but more importantly, he wasn't great at the rim. Um, Domas was on him for most of the game, and, and Miles was on Mitchell Robinson. Uh, but even more so, I mean, R.J. Barrett continues to look really impressive. Um, he's making a lot of growth as a player. Uh, he had hit threes in the first game against the Pacers, had not hit a three since, and then, of course, he uh, he goes, I believe, five of six tonight from three, which is just very uh, on brand. There's always some guy who goes four or five. I, I should correct myself, four or five from three. But most importantly, I mean, he's just a, a much improved player, um, really starting to show a lot there. Alfred Payton um, came out of nowhere. He always has, like, a really good stretch in February. Um, for whatever team he's playing on, there's always like this random like triple double watch that happens for Alfred Payton. He'll go for three or four over the course of a week or two, um, and then he kind of falls back down to earth. But that happened early, and it's happening against the Pacers. He didn't finish with a triple double, but he may as well have. He really impacted the game. Uh, I mentioned on Twitter, 
it felt like the Knicks took and made like you know 15 or 20 floaters uh, between Barrett and Alfred Payton. Um, they were really, uh, you know, I, I it's interesting because I, I think there was a there was a good comment post to me about you know how the rim protection looked, and I think it was a, a good point to bring up. Um, the rim protection was not awesome tonight, but I think part of that was uh, Mitchell Robinson was a force on the offensive glass first and foremost. Um, obviously, an incredible offensive rebounder and just rebounder overall. But most importantly, uh, yeah, finished with six offensive boards tonight. Six of his nine boards ended up as uh, as offensive rebounds. Uh, finished with 16 points, and most of those came in lobs. So part of the issue that was going on for Miles specifically, because Miles was on Mitchell, he couldn't be as aggressive in his rim protection because if he came off of Mitchell Robinson, it was a certified lob. Um, you know, it was going into the hoop uh, via Mitchell Robinson's hands right down the middle. Um, you know, Peyton and, and Barrett found him routinely on that. So I, it seemed like the Pacers were really trying to force the, the things to go through uh, Barrett and Peyton and make them make shots at the rim uh, or from floater range. And, and those were just going in. And on the times that they weren't, um, Miles was just in a really tough spot. You know, there aren't a lot of guys who, and this is not to speak down on Miles. Um, I, I think he's an elite rim protector. He's not like the best of the best. Um, it's just very hard to um, fight against the verticality of someone like Mitchell Robinson, who's one of the best vertical leapers in the NBA, um, and still contest somebody at the rim. That's just, it's borderline impossible to do that. So they did a fantastic job of, of freezing miles there and also i mean domas is not a rim protector by most stretches of the imagination um so i think that's one of the things that i look at right away and talking about how they impacted the pacers offensively um they doubled them up in points in the paint which is something we're going to get to shortly uh they outscored indiana 56 to 26 in the paint which is a complete role reversal of where it has been this entire year the pacers have been um the, the tops of the league, according to Cleaning the Glass, they've been tops in the league in terms of shot distribution um, happening at the rim. So the Pacers have been, in the first five games, they were taking 45% of their shots at the rim. And today they took uh, just about 23% at the rim. Uh, a lot of that is the Knicks defense. Um, they were doing an extremely good job of uh, you know crunching in in the paint. Uh, Mitchell Robinson's a fantastic rim protector. Julius Randle, to his credit, he's never been a very consistent or even really that good defender, in my opinion. He was really good on Domas tonight. I mean, Domas finished with eight total shot attempts. Um, obviously, he still had a solid game. You know, those games are going to happen where um, Domas just has trouble getting inside. You know, he really struggled to get inside. He had one or two baskets that came as the role man. Um, he missed like one or two uh, post-up looks, but... For the most part, all of his shots were coming from uh, from really contested mid-range shots uh, or post-ups. And he had the one three-pointer that he hit, which the fact that he hit a contested three-pointer, like the, the jump he's taken as a three-point shooter is kind of ridiculous. Um, I, I don't think it's sustainable. I mean, it's definitely not sustainable shooting like 50% from three right now. But the fact that he took and made a contested three-pointer is still mind-blowing to me. Um, but again, the Knicks just played really strong defense. Uh, but also... Um, as we're going to get into, the Pacers really just played into the hands of the Knicks tonight and what they were trying to do defensively, which was, um, I don't want to say it was concerning to me. I mean, a little bit. There were some things that, that were confusing. Um, but, you know, regardless, 
I think when you look at it, um, I mean, we, we got to mention right away, the Pacers went 19 of 50 from three-point land, which ties the franchise record for threes made in a game and breaks the franchise record for threes taken in a game. And I, I want to state right away that it's not the, the, the number of threes is not the issue. Uh, I, I don't think it's ever the the three that is the problem. It's the process for getting there that's the problem. That's what I want to iterate. You know, I think there's this thing. I, I remember when Mike D'Antoni was in talks to become the head coach, or there was, you know, the rumblings about that. A lot of people asked me or brought up with me, or, or I even just saw on Twitter, you know, oh, well, they just take too many threes. All I do is take threes. That's not even what it's about. I think the what gets lost sometimes is we look at the box score and we don't talk about the process of what happened to get to the box score. The content, um, or I should say the context, is more important than the final result in a lot of circumstances. So you look at it in 19 to 50, that's good. Um, that's almost 40% on 53-point shots, which is fantastic. But I think I look at the way that we got to most of those shots, the way that the Pacers got to most of those shots. And that's where we see a little bit of an issue with how things went tonight. Um, the Knicks really forced that. A, a lot of the threes were from above the break. I believe 38 of the attempts came from above the break, which were obviously harder shots than um, from the corner. But a lot of it was because the, with how well the Knicks were covering in the paint, um, almost everything Indy was taking was from the outside because they could not drive and make anything happen. I mean, there were some drives that were able to for, you know, kick out in the open passes um, for, for open shots, or I should say, not open passes. I guess there were open passes, but you get my point. Um, so you look at those, and obviously Malcolm Brogdon had a fantastic game, was just electric, hitting everything. But, I mean, he was not getting downhill nearly as much as he has been through the first five games or much of last year. Uh, and Victor, who... <laughs> We will talk about it in a second as well. I mean, he was really not getting downhill at all either. And he, he really struggled from the field. Um, you know, he finished with two ma- I mean, three makes on 16 shots, uh, two of nine from three. Granted, he uh, went eight of 11 from the free throw line. But he. Th- this is the interesting part. He took all of those free throws in a three-minute span. It was a really long portion of the game uh, because of how much the clock was stopping due to the free throws. Um, but Victor got fouled five times in the last two minutes and 56 seconds of the second quarter. And he never got to the free throw line again. And a big part of that was him not attacking the rim. Um, I think he's still figuring out how to be comfortable, you know, on his legs and with his handle. And he's looked a lot better with that. And that closing three minutes, uh, I mean, he was just getting to the rim at will because he had started 0 of 5 from the field. He was not hitting anything, could not get in rhythm was not getting a whistle on it. There was, you know, one of the uh, shots that he took from outside. He tried to draw contact on it. I thought he could have maybe gotten a whistle for it, but um, he's not getting that kind of whistle from the refs so far this season. Um, And I think that's totally fair for the most part Um, because I don't think that's a foul that should be called in a lot of circumstances, but that's my own personal view on that. But, um, I mean, the main point is Victor made a conscious decision, it felt like, uh, to really just get downhill and draw fouls. Um, because a, a lot of the fouls we saw in the bubble last year and that we've seen early this year have been um, him getting fouled on jump shots. You know, he has gotten in and, and gotten fouled on drives a couple times, but uh, eight of his 11 three free throw attempts came by being fouled driving to the rim, which is huge. That was a big part of his game um, in 17-18 when he had his all-NBA season. And you look at what he did tonight, that stretch was really promising to me. I liked that. But it was also um, 
like it made me feel like what, what's a good way to put it um like you know you just take like the first bite of something like you take a bite of for me i love like chocolate cake chocolate cake with chocolate frosting is like the bane of my existence i could eat that all day every day um and i, w- I would not feel very good but my point is you get one bite of it and then it gets taken away from you or you can see it still, you know, it's there, but you can't touch it. Um, that's how I felt about Vic with his drive game tonight. You, he, he flashed that he showed that burst and ability. I mean, he totally blew by his defender one time. I think it was only Reggie Bullock, but at the same time, I mean, we saw him not be able to drive on Duncan Robinson last year in the bubble. So we're seeing that change and that's huge. He's definitely taken strides and is coming back physically on that. Um, so obviously my point is impressive that he was getting that, but then I think he drove to the basket maybe five times the rest of the game and definitely not with the same, uh, comfortability that he had in the end of that second quarter. So I think that's something you want to see, um, throughout, you know, (laughs) that's something you want to see throughout the game happening consistently, because you look at that, uh, that closing second quarter run. I mean, so much of the, the game being close at halftime was Vic keeping the Pacers in in that second, uh, that the end of that second quarter, because they really weren't getting anything outside of Vic drawing those fouls. I mean, Domas draws a foul there, um, but I mean, Mitchell Robinson is in on the glass. Um, Doug's rimming out shots. Like I- I'm looking at just the the play by play, and Vic has you know more than half of everything going for the Pacers in that last you know four minutes of the game. So. I mean, not of the game, of the second quarter. So that's something that sticks out to me about Vic. A lot of the three-pointers he, he, he's taking feel just kind of forced. You know, um, I, again, we mentioned two of nine. Um, very few of those felt like catch-and-shoots or, or were catch-and-shoots. M- many of them were off the dribble, and he's a good off-the-dribble shooter to give him credit. But at the same time, a couple of those just felt forced, and you want him to – you look at him, you're like, man, I, 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 I want to see him get downhill because that's what um, – it's what he needs to get back to for him to get to the level he wants to. And again, that's going to come with time. We're we're six games in, so we can't go uh, we can't go too overboard with it. But that is definitely something to point out. I think there were a lot of positive for, positives for Victor in that second quarter. He played pretty solid defense today. Um, but there's there's a lot in, in terms of what we're looking at for him coming forward. That's going to be important for not just for him, but for the Pacers because you see this team. Um, if if Domas can't can't get to the paint and Malcolm's not getting to the paint. Um, I mean, Victor's the guy you have to rely on who's who's going in and getting those clinching shots. And it's hard with TJ out, you know, with TJ Warren out. But again, um, stuff that, that that we're definitely looking for and keeping note of um, headed into the rest of the season. So before I, I, I go into my next segment, I want to take a quick break. And we'll be right back in, in just a moment. Welcome back, Pacers fans. Um so, you know, we, we just finished up talking about Victor Oladipo and the game he had and, and some of the pauses we saw from him as well as um, some of the things that we're still going to be looking for moving forward that, that we're hoping to see change. Um, I don't know why I keep saying we because I'm the only person talking right now. It's weird. You know, I haven't done a solo podcast in a minute, so uh, I'm, bear with me. Um, the next thing I want to talk about is Miles. I thought Miles had a fantastic game offensively today. Uh, finished 17 and 4, 70 points, 4 rebounds. Um rebounding wise struggled on the glass part of it was him trying to box out did not box out very well um you know Mitchell Robinson's a tough cover for him Julius Randle would have been a tough cover as well the Knicks are a very difficult back 
uh, backcourt, gosh, um, very difficult frontcourt for the Pacers to match up with, at least for Miles. Um, so I think that was obviously a negative for him. He talked about post game how he needed to be better on the glass, and I would 100% agree with that. Um, but I really just want to talk about offensively. Finished three of nine from three, seven of 15 from the field. Miles taking 15 shots is not something I would have expected coming into the game. Um, continues to take shots without hesitation. Uh, Caitlin wrote a really great piece about you know Miles ideally being like a 6'11 shooting guard in the offense. And that's what he was tonight, and he has been for a decent portion of the season. And, you know, I, I know a lot of people, it, it's easy to look at Miles and see him, you know, he's 6'11. He's a big guy. You think, oh, well, you know, he should get into the paint and make things happen. That's not the guy he is, all right? He's shown ability, which we'll talk about in a minute on, on getting to the rim, but he has the ability to shoot. He is a shooter. He is a good shooter. Um, I, I don't, obviously, you know, the numbers aren't reflecting it right now because he has not shot well to start the year, but he has good form. We know that the shot can hit and most importantly, he's not hesitating. I think the fact that he's not hesitating is huge. Um, you're already seeing teams start to guard him differently. Um, you know, if he's not hesitating, guys can't just stand in the paint and, and wait and, and force him to pass out. You know, guys are having to close out on him, especially when he starts making them. I mean, he starts 0 of 4 from three. Uh, hits his fifth one, and then he really gets going. As he, I was a little bit worried once he missed the fourth one. I was like, oh, crap, is he going to stop shooting? But to his credit, I mean, he just keeps going. He had one where he checked out of, um, and he I believe he checked out of it because the pass was like a little bit lower than he, he normally likes it. So he wasn't really in a great position to shoot it, and somebody closed out on him, so he passed out, um, which I was fine with. You know, that ended up resulting in, I believe, a Malcolm Brogdon bucket. Um so that was a positive. Um, and, and most importantly, too, off of his non-hesitance to catch threes, his decision-making in the drive game has been huge. And not just the decision-making. Like, the drive game in general has been huge. His handle is is more refined. Um, his footwork is better. He's attacking, you know, just immediately off the catch. He's making a read, and he's taking it to the rim. And he's been incredibly effective off of it. He also had a really nice cut. Uh, Domas found him. Uh, I think he was cutting on a fast break, and Domas found him. He had an easy slam. Um, he just continues to look really impressive off of that. And if he's going to continue to be this guy who is taking, you know, all of the open threes that he gets and not forcing anything, because he, th- that's the important thing to look at. He took nine threes. Him and Victor both took nine threes. I didn't feel like any of Miles's were forced. I felt like some of Victor's were. And what I mean by that is, you know, you're taking. Uh, a contested look instead of, you know, maybe an easier shot or a, or a more efficient shot. And it's not even that a three is not efficient, but if you're taking a contested three, you're not a good contested three shooter, which most guys aren't. I mean, that's not incredibly efficient. You know, I, I felt like Victor was trying to maybe draw fouls on some of his shots and to his credit, he got one, but uh, he has not been getting the whistle on that much to start the year. I think he's had two fouls get called on three so far this year. Um Miles was just taking everything that was open to him. So if, if you have nine open threes and you're taking all three of them, that's not forced to me. Um, so I just continue to be impressed with, with what he's doing offensively. I already mentioned his defense earlier. I didn't think he was fantastic, but I didn't think he was terrible on that end. Uh, definitely probably his worst defensive game of the season so far. Um, but he still continues to be a factor on that end. Um, but regardless, I think it just has to be noted how well he's playing offensively. And uh, I I really hope that we continue to see that throughout the course of the season, because 
he's opening up a lot for the offense. Um, he even showed some really fantastic uh, post footwork and a post move that uh, that we're not used to seeing. It, normally, it's the you know straight up fadeaway, but he had a nice lay in off of some good footwork too. So um, a lot of things are, are going well for Miles on that, and largely to him forcing the issue there. It's been uh, it's been great to see. Um, the next thing that I really want to talk about is the minutes distribution. Um, Kalen Cooper tweeted about this and, and, you know, it kind of got my gears turning. I'd, I'd been thinking about it a little bit during the game, but this, you know, I, I had a, I have a lot of thoughts on this. First of all, I just want to run down the minutes distribution for tonight, um, for the Pacers rotation. So Malcolm Brogdon finished with 41 minutes. Demonis Sabonis finished with 39 Vic finished with 37, Miles finished with 32, Aaron Holiday finished with 25, Doug McDermott finished with 20, Justin Holiday finished with 28, TJ McConnell finished with 12, and Keelan Martin finished with 4. Um, so essentially the Pacers played like an 8.5 man rotation considering how little Keelan Martin actually played. Um, I am a little bit unsure why... Malcolm Brogdon played 41 minutes. I'm a little bit unsure why Sabonis played 39, and I'm definitely unsure why Vic played 37. I understand it was a close game, and you need to generate scoring. Um, you want to see lineups. Um, there are a lot of things that you want to get going and seeing early um, in the regular season, right? But at the same time, Malcolm struggled with injuries last year. Uh, Demonis Sabonis is coming off of um, – having plantar fasciitis in the bubble and, and that keeping him out of playing in the bubble. That's something that can come back up, flare back up, especially since he never officially, I don't believe he tore it all the way through. Uh, so that, you know, if it tears all the way through, you have to stay off of it and it can heal back. If you don't tear it all the way, um, then it, it can be just kind of a lingering injury that can pop back up. So I, 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 I'm interested in, obviously I'm not an injury guy, um, I'm not an athletic trainer or, or doctor, but that's something that there's definitely a little bit of concern over. And Vic playing 37 minutes is, uh, I'm not going to say it's the wrong decision, but it's an interesting decision. Um, uh, just given that he's he's not playing back-to-backs right now, which uh, based on everything that I know and from people who, talking to people who know what they're talking about with that, it's it makes sense that he's not playing back-to-backs. You know, playing 37 minutes is, that's a lot. Um, i I could be wrong. I believe that is the most he's played um, this season. Definitely, uh, it's got to be up there for how much he played, considering you know how much he played in the bubble. Um, but regardless, it's just an interesting minutes distribution. Miles with thirty-two felt right. He could have maybe even had a couple more minutes there. Um, but what's interesting to me is Keelan Martin only playing four minutes. Uh, he, he didn't really do a whole ton when he was out there. I mean, I thought. You know, obviously he provides energy, he provides length and uh, effectiveness on there. He can attack the glass. He was a plus zero, um, or I should just say a zero. There's not really a plus or a minus zero that cancels out. Um, but, I mean, he took a three. Like, he, I, I didn't really see anything that warranted him not getting more minutes, if that makes sense. You know, I thought um, playing a guy for only one stretch is interesting to me. Um, I, I think – uh, again, I, I, I want to dive back into the game again and maybe look at it uh, and see how it looks different to me from there. Uh, TJ McConnell was okay tonight. I didn't think he was, uh, again, you know, one thing I will say, I we do not need TJ McConnell threes. I get wanting to take more threes, but um, TJ McConnell takes like six seconds to get a shot off, and that's not exaggerating, uh, maybe slightly, but 
it's like you know loading a musket um, in the 1700s and, and firing it off. That's that's how it feels with TJ shooting a shot, and I think it's almost a discredit to him. And it's not super valuable to the Pacers or to him shooting shooting a three. So I don't know. I mean, everyone in the building knows that he doesn't like taking them and that he's not good at taking them. So I'm interested to see if that continues to be something throughout the year. It hasn't been really prevalent now, but I mean, I think he's taken uh, more threes this year than he did through like the first six games last year, almost definitely. Um, he took hardly any last year. Doug McDermott continues to really struggle from three um, at the field house. I believe I have it written down here somewhere. Yeah, so he is 7 of 27 from three, which is just just under 26% um, on the year from, from three at the field house, um, which, you know, that continues the trend of Doug not shooting well at the field house. One of my friends on Twitter actually brought it up to me, you know, maybe it's due to sight lines in the field house, but Again, I don't know. I'm not a shot doctor, but it seems to me like if you're you've played somewhere for three years, you would get used to it, and um, that kind of st- statistical variance wouldn't maintain. I believe. I mean, he's a below average three point shooter at the field house his entire time that he's played here, um, and then you know conversely, I mean, he shoots like over forty percent from three uh, everywhere else, you know, on the road. Um, but regardless, it's it's an interesting thing. Um, I mean, Justin played a really good game. He ended up playing starters minutes. I think overall, my question is, you know, if you're not getting the looks you want, or maybe maybe Nate McMillan, nah, McMillan, gosh, how many times am I going to do that this year? Uh, maybe Nate Bjorken felt comfortable with the looks he was getting. I mean, he, he mentioned uh, in the post-game presser that, you know, for the most part, the looks that they got from outside were looks that he wanted. Um, but... I just look at it and I think, okay, maybe you could have found seven or eight minutes for Jakar Sampson tonight. Maybe you could have found seven or eight minutes for Edmund Sumner. I don't see why Keelan Martin didn't play 10 minutes tonight. Um, I just think playing Domas the amount of minutes he's been playing so far, I understand how important he is. He is the best player on the team. Um, he does so much on both ends that is really key, you know, on the glass, um, facilitating. Just everything he does is is a significant portion of what the Pacers do. Um, but playing a guy that much, that consistently is uh, difficult. And I get wanting to win the game, but I think maybe you just try and throw other guys out there and get the look. Because, I mean, in the po- pregame presser, Nate Bjorkman talked about how Keelan was going to play, and he talked about maybe getting um, somebody else off the bench to play as well. I know that it's, you know, there's – the bench isn't super deep right now because you don't have Goga. You, you, you know, obviously you're missing TJ, you're missing Jeremy lamb. Uh, so you have guys out who would be in the regular rotation, but I just think there was an opportunity tonight to get some more minutes for guys and see what they bring. And maybe they bring some different kind of energy or easier looks. I don't know. I mean, maybe Jakar Sampson's able to able to get something easy inside. Uh, maybe Edmund Sumner is able to force something in the drive game. Who knows? You know, I think, Regardless, I just think playing an eight-and-a-half-man rotation uh, this early on after talking so much about wanting to get more minutes for guys farther down the bench and getting new looks for guys farther down the bench, I just have questions. That's something that's going to be in the back of my head because we really aren't seeing guys um, farther down the bench get a ton of looks um, so far. I mean, Keelan Martin has in, in the past game he did against Cleveland – 
But other than that, we really haven't seen a lot of opportunities for guys on the bench um, who aren't in the regular rotation. So um, regardless, I think the minutes distribution is something to look at moving forward. Um, I don't expect that kind of, you know, Domas playing 37 plus minutes per game, being in the, you know, top 10 or 15 in, um, in minutes among NBA players. I don't think that's something that can or should hold up for the entire year, but we'll see, man. I I don't know. I have no idea, frankly, what to really think about that. Uh, but it's an interesting trend to look at nonetheless. Um, Overall, though, you know, I mean, I think my my last sentiment I want to put on this game, the Pacers, Pacers did not play a good game. They, they really did not. I, you know, watching the game, it felt like they should have lost by 10 or 15, um, just given how, how they played or didn't play, I guess should, could be even the way to put it. Um, and I think that's kind of good and bad. You know, you get kind of the double-edged sword. They stayed in this game largely because they shot well from outside, but they were so poor at the rim and just even getting to the rim. I mean, they shot 40 and a half percent from the field for the game, which is, you know, obviously not good. Um, way below, I mean, they shot 10% worse from the field than the Knicks did overall, which is uh, kind of remarkable. All things considered um, getting out rebounded the way they did was not great. Uh, initially it looked like there was going to be um, better defensive rebounding, uh, across the board to start the year. Uh, and that has kind of fallen off the last two games. Hopefully that will write the, that ship will write a little bit. Uh, but right now it's looking, that was just kind of early season, um, sample. Uh, so I don't know, that's another thing that we will definitely be looking at and trying to figure out moving forward. But overall, you know, Pacers are four and two. They're still, I mean, they're showing signs of being a very good team. The, the good signs have been really positive. The bad signs have been, I, I don't think, as bad as they could be. You know, they're showing um, there's a lot there uh, potential-wise, but there's also a lot that they need to work on. So overall, I mean, it's just it's one game. Try not to take it too bad. Um, uh, you know, we have the pace, Pacers. We, yeah, of course the Pacers are playing. The Pelicans coming up on Monday. Uh, Rockets on Wednesday. Phoenix on Saturday, I believe. And I think Sacramento is the next game after that, but I'll have to check. That's pretty far in advance, but we will have a lot of pods coming out this week. A lot of stuff over at IC. Um, if you have any questions, comments, anything, of course, let me know. Uh, let me know what you think of the pod. If there's anything you want to hear differently, I think I'm going to be trying to do a mailbag soon. Uh, there's really not going to be a break in games for a while, but I think Maybe once the homestand is done, because this week's going to be a homestand for the Pacers, and then they're going on their first uh, Western Conference road trip, which will be uh, really key in seeing you know what they look like this season, getting a good sense for the team. But, uh, yeah, thank you guys for listening. I always appreciate it. I hope that uh, you guys got something out of this. Um, just have a good rest of your day. Enjoy the start to your new year, and uh, stay safe out there.